With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome into the latest Gators Online podcast. Nick and Zach coming to you live from Spurs Gridiron Grill. And it is Florida, Georgia week. Not Georgia, Florida week. It's just alphabet. We follow the alphabet. It's just alphabet. That's all it is. I mean, it sounds so weird to hear them say Georgia, Florida. And they all do it. And by they all, I mean you Georgia people. And then they bark. They bark. Um, and they try to move the game from Jacksonville in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. But Kirby gets his way, sort of. Usually, lately, he's been getting his way. Yeah. He didn't get his way with uh, keeping Katie Turner on staff. He doesn't get his way at the barbershop either. <laughs> ooh, ooh, Nick's coming in hot, ladies and gentlemen. It's just, it's just obvious. Yeah. Uh, so... We'll see as uh, Kirby Smart faces off against uh, first-year Florida coach Billy Nape here and his uh, staff. A lot of uh, Georgia ties there, a lot of uh, familiar faces, folks that work together at Alabama. Uh, mutual respect, I think, on both sides. Which, a lot different than – Which wasn't there yeah. the previous couple of years with uh, Dan Melanie Kirby. No, there was uh, some bad blood, some um, – uh, different recruiting philosophies, let's just say. Yeah, one recruited. Yeah. And um, the Gators are recruiting very well right now. Sure. For the 2023 class as we uh, come to you today on uh, Cormani McLean Day, as uh, we will definitely get into uh, his commitment in the last segment. And uh, we will also be joined today by uh, Palmer Toms from Dogs Headquarters to give you guys some perspective on the nation's number one team, uh, what we've seen from the defending national champions this year, and uh, where they've uh, maybe slipped up in some areas that Florida will try to take advantage of on Saturday. But, Nick, we got to start with... Do you think the coaches slipped up on the depth chart? Oh, no, they didn't slip up. They didn't slip up. Before he goes off, because it feels like he's about to. <laughs> uh, no changes on the defense after a, a week, the bye to assess, work on yourself. Personnel potential changes. No changes on defense, which is the worst third down defense in the country. Like name a team, San Jose State, better. Colorado. And they've been bad and near the worst in other categories. UMass, better. So, look, this is just my theory. Okay. Now, some of this is not theory. Some of this is uh, what the kids call salsas. Um, but I will say, Nicholas, in your time covering Florida football, how often has the head coach released updated depth charts throughout the course of the season weekly? Um. I think frequently Mac did it, but with changes, they're normally not worth the paper 
that they're putting out. I think Billy, to his credit, has been more intentional in his depth chart release. I think that he is um he knows the value of it. He recognizes that people care. And I think that when they've made changes, it's been made noticeable and he's disgusted. Well, Case in point, Justice Boone. The the mistake leaving Dwan Black off the depth chart when he was supposed to be on it yeah. blew up. They had to resend it out. And then you know, the change at the running back position and and how fans were just clamoring for that. And after halfway through the season, there it is. That wasn't just a depth chart change. That was complete order. On the field, Naquan didn't get a carry yeah. against LSU. So what I'm trying to say is uh, I think he's been very proactive in um, being – upfront about the changes that are coming that week. I mean, even the, the the week leading up to the LSU game, he had had Torrance on there as questionable and, and said, hey, I'm just trying to be honest with you guys. And then he didn't play. But I think that uh, Nape and his army have also recognized, I think, how much attention has been put on those depth charts. And if you make a change, it becomes... Uh, headline news not just on our site at gators online but on other sites it, it becomes a topic for gators twitter it becomes a conversation on all the you know great uf podcasts that we have uh on this market and it it, it is a it is a talking point and again I, yes there's been depth charts that have been released every week under previous regimes but they're usually hasn't been much significant changes made and when if there are changes made they've they've done so quietly they don't draw attention to it you know no, but you even a no change just tweeting the story out thousands yes of impressions hundreds of responses so i think that billy came in with you know um the approach that he was going to probably do what he did at louisiana which has put out a, a, an updated depth chart every week. And if there were changes and guys earned jobs or guys were getting benched, put it on there, put it out there, be upfront about it. But I think the attention that that kind of transparency got at Louisiana, it's a lot different at the university of Florida. And he even said that to a question, I think LSU week, a lot more eyes on us here, a lot more eyes. And I'm just from what I've been told by multiple sources. I do not believe that this coaching staff went through the entire bye week and then game prep for Georgia and has made no personnel changes on defense. That has not happened. Do you think you might start the game and then you're not playing starter reps? Now, is the, the lineup that they put out there Wednesday night going to be the lineup that takes the field for the first snap Saturday? Potentially. Are the rotations going to be different at potentially, from what I've been told, three positions? Yes. Not punter, right? No. Okay. That's okay. Thank God. All right. But he doesn't punt anyway. <laughs> well, when he does. When hell. <laughs> um, but I think that, and this is just my theory, you know, Billy comes out Monday, first time we've talked to him since the bye week. He probably got what asked 
two or three questions about the depth chart, yeah. asked about personnel changes, asked about how much they make a difference coming off a of bye week. He got hammered about it a lot, I think, starting to recognize so, someone, people want to know about this. Someone hit him with, you have the chance to be historically bad on defense at Florida. What changes did you make? And then he comes into Wednesday, gets on the teleconference, and the first question that he gets asked, because he didn't do media Wednesday night, is, are you going to make any depth chart changes? Right out of the gate, first question on the teleconference. And to me, if he already was thinking about maybe not revealing changes on the depth chart this week, that probably confirmed it for him. Um, I just think that from all the attention that these depth chart releases have, have gotten, and let's be honest, some of the fan reaction to some of these players that have um, that fans have been calling to be benched or demoted, um, and, and knowing the type of reaction that that's going to get off of some of these depth chart releases, I think that this week he just decided, you know what? Whatever we are doing, we're just going to keep that defensive side status quo. We're not going to reveal anything to the media. We're not going to reveal anything to the fans. And probably most importantly, if we're going to keep things close to the vest, this is the week to do it against the nation's number one team. So sum up your conspiracy theory. Yes, please. You think the depth chart that we got Wednesday will not be reflected on the field Saturday. And in the number of snaps that are played. That, yeah, not saying they won't start the game. Yeah. But the way the snaps are going, like trading Rashad I, Torrance get 60. I think there's going to be a difference at, I know at least two and potentially three levels, all three levels of the defense in terms of the rotation at certain positions. Um, there's one very obvious um Guy that has been getting more first-team reps and, um, you know, asked Billy about him myself on the teleconference, and Billy said, you know what, if we were giving out an award for practice the past two weeks, Kamari Wilson would have gotten one. Well, they did give out spring awards. They did. So, but but I think any other changes that um, you might reveal, certainly any schematic changes that might happen, they're not going to put that to me on the depth chart uh, the week uh, before the Georgia game or days before the Georgia game. Why give that staff the Thursday to go watch a bunch of tape of the new guys that you've moved up in the lineup and see what Tony and the staff ran with them, what they did well, what they didn't do well, how they could potentially attack those players. I mean, why, why give that away? Um, I think that this week they decided not to. Um, Do you think any of it is protecting the actual players? Because then they have to go on social media and see it. And I think that, you know, uh, I think that as well. Uh, the the most obvious example for the fans that are want to see a change at safety, um, why feed into that and then allow that player um, to then just get a bunch of stuff on Wednesday night via social media? Just... Just let it happen on Saturday in the game. And at that point, you know, whatever lineup changes play out on the field, it's secondary to that game. That's yeah, when played. Florida wins on Saturday, <laughs> no one's going to care who started. Or when they lose, regardless, afterwards, that's, that, that's a non-story. People are, the people, he's getting asked about the game yeah. first. The lineup changes might be brought up. Um, but I, I just think um, 
I just think Billy was trying to play a little chess this week. Not only, maybe not only with the depth chart release, but the fact that he conveniently decided, you know what, we're not going to have a press conference this week on Wednesday after practice. Now that had been planned, but maybe there's a reason why it's been planned this week. Um, I'm just yeah. throwing out conspiracy theories. I watched a UFO documentary a couple, say, a couple like days ago. Ancient Nick, aliens uh, on the History Channel. <laughs> I saw a good a good one on Showtime. Okay, so Tin, it's good. Tinfoil hat, Zach. Yeah, it's going to be Showtime uh, in Jacksonville on Saturday. Uh, we'll see what defensive personnel and potential schematic changes the Gators roll out. Um, we know what we're going to get from the offensive side. That some ors that appeared this on this week's depth chart, but. Not Nothing, much changes there. Not much. You get Osiris Torrance back, but I thought Richie Leonard played well. Yeah. In, in backing him up, but Osiris Torrance might get a brick this year. So you needed him. He's been the best player on the offense, not the offensive line, on the offense. Yeah. And that was the biggest in terms of uh, personnel or depth chart on the offensive side. Uh, nothing more important than, than getting Torrance back, and, and he'll be available on Saturday. So we're going to jump to this first break. When we come back on the other side, we'll be joined by Palmer Toms from Dogs Headquarters of On3 to give you guys some perspective on UGA and uh, what they're bringing to the table on Saturday. We'll be right back after this break. Coming game against Vandy. You don't have to call or email. Just go to Spurriers.com, hit the reservation button, pick a date, number of guests, and a time. It's so simple, I can do it. In fact, I just did. Maybe I'll see you tonight. Welcome back into the Gators Online Podcast. We're now joined by our guest of the week, Palmer Toms from Dogs Headquarters and On3. Palmer, thanks for joining us this week, man. How's it going? Happy to be joining y'all. Excited to uh, be making the trip south down to Jacksonville here before too long. Headed out of Athens tomorrow, making the trek. Uh, and and a little bit longer than y'all have, but uh, certainly excited to uh, to do so. And it's it's a game that... Uh, it's a trip that Georgia fans do love making. Although we let's don't know start, how much longer yeah, they're going to be yeah, making let's it. Let's start there. Uh, a weird joint statement. Probably the only thing Florida and Georgia have ever done together. And agreed on. They don't agree on how many times they've played. They don't agree on Georgia, Florida, Florida, Georgia. I think that might be it. Um, they don't like each other. What's your opinion? What do you think about Jacksonville? Would you want to do a four-year split? Atlanta, Jacks, Gainesville, um, Athens. Stay avoid Atlanta. I, I I would avoid Atlanta too. Um, I, I I try to avoid Atlanta at, at all costs, um, whether that be for football games or Nashville. Your, your, Nashville. Or You're covering. Oh, I would love that. You're covering the wrong team if you don't like Atlanta. <laughs> um, no, I mean. I, you know, I don't. I don't think Atlanta should be a part of this series. I do like that idea of of keeping Jacksonville involved, but also making it a home and home. Uh, but realistically, I don't know that you're ever going to see um, a perfect solution there um, with with Jacksonville involved. I think that both of these coaches, Kirby Smart especially, but but also Billy Napier uh, coming in and, and getting his footing there. They are both very recruiting-minded coaches. They both come from that Saban tree, and and recruiting is at the forefront of their minds always. Everything is it has something to do with recruiting. Uh, can't they, could, ha, haven't always been able to say that about Florida coaches. Um, well, there were seasons. So, there were seasons last year, and it wasn't recruiting. <laughs> there's, there's there's recruiting season. There's football season. 
Yeah. Um, they don't overlap. No, but, um, you know, I, I think that we are certainly trending. Like you said, um, Nick, it's certainly a weird statement, uh, the joint statement that got put out on Monday this week. Um, the timing of it, the, it's always been a discussion. Um, this the, the location of this game is something that comes up. SEC media days this week, you know, in the off season, it, it's whenever you need something to talk about, there's always uh, the location of, of this rivalry game. And, you know, I, I do think that we probably will see it at a home and home um, here before too long. I have not been able to cover any sporting events in Jacksonville or excuse me, in, in Gainesville. Uh, and, and, you know, certainly, um, you know, Nick, like we talked about, I'd have to change professions to uh, change jobs to be covering a game uh, at the swamp because mm -hmm. at this point, at this rate, Georgia's not playing there anytime soon. So um, we, we'd have to see something crazy happen. I do think that we will see it here before too long. I, I think that it's just, it's, it's on the agenda of these coaches, especially Kirby smart to get it to a home and home um, because recruiting, like I said, recruiting is such a big topic and, you're not going to see recruiting be a big part of it in Jacksonville. I mean, I, I think in an ideal world, you could have the game played in Jacksonville and be able to host and contact and, and talk to recruits there uh, in Jacksonville, but that would require NCAA legislation change. And you're not going to get uh, other parties on board other than maybe Texas and Oklahoma. Um, I thought, I thought Georgia could give tickets, could have recruits this week. So they can give tickets. But, but they it's cannot, not like a, a visit that they would have for a home game. Right, right. They can give tickets, but that's that's all that they can do. Um, they, they are going to give tickets out to some kids, uh, some prospective athletes here, um, but they cannot, the coaches cannot interact with them because of the off-campus nature of the game. Come on down to the field, guys. No, uh, none of that. Well, um, if it was Texas A&M, it'd be like a golden bar for a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, 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 listen, I, I think obviously you alluded to it. Uh, the way that it's trending, it seems like Kirby Smart is going to get his way. Um, and let's be honest. Recently, everything is Kirby's got his way um, on the field, on the recruiting trail. Uh, obviously, he's got Georgia as the defending national champs. Um, what's it been like covering this program coming off of that title? And what is this team like, uh, maybe in comparison to that 2021 squad? And what were you thinking when they lost the SC championship? I, I told myself I wouldn't pick Georgia if they were to play Alabama again. Um, now, I, did I end up picking Georgia? Yes. Um, should Did I really believe myself? No. Um, I, I, di I did think, you know, it, going back to that that 2021 season and that SEC championship game, I just felt like when when you see these rematches, it's really hard. If you were Alabama, you weren't going to change anything. If you're Georgia, you're going to change everything. And, and so to, schematically to, to prepare for that kind of a game, I feel like Georgia maybe had a little bit of an advantage there. Um, obviously, the way that it played out with, with uh, you know, Jamison Williams going down, um, tough blow for Alabama. Um, and, and the way that Georgia responded in the second half and, and really won, won the game that fourth quarter, um, certainly you, you could sense a big exhale from all of uh, Georgia fans there um, when, when Keely Ringo intercepted that pass. Um, and, and since then, it's, it's really been, um, you know, a topic of conversation of 
you know, oh, how is this program different now than they were a year ago with a national championship trophy in their hand now? Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that it was a big conversation during the offseason. Um, you know, how is is that going to change Kirby's approach? Is that going to change the players? Um, you know, maybe the way that they approach this season, because last year did feel like if if they didn't win it last year, I don't know when they were going to win it because they had, you know, a generational defense, a, yeah. a, a veteran group. Um, you know, it, it felt like all the all the pieces were there. Everybody came back. I mean, from Zamir White, James Cook, yeah. uh, JT Daniels, who obviously didn't end up being a huge factor in it. Um, but, you know, guys decided to come back, wanted to be a part of it. And, and they ultimately, you know, come away with a ring on their finger. Um, <clears throat> you know, but I, I think since then um, you haven't seen Georgia get complacent. Uh, it's, it's the reason that they're number one in the country in both polls. Um, you know, top five scoring defense, a uh, very strong offense. Again, um, you're you're seeing a group that, especially early in the season, I felt like they played without any weight on their shoulders. They they knew that they were kind of playing with house money. Georgia had won the national championship. The you know no one's no you know no longer are we talking about oh well it's been X amount of years since Georgia won a championship because they've got the championship to show for it. So. I felt like they were playing free. They were playing a little bit, um, you know, like I said, with house money there. Um, Beat the brakes off of Oregon. Yeah, they killed Oregon. And and, and absolutely. I mean, you saw it against against Oregon in that opener, um, you know, South Carolina in in the third week of the season. Um, Injuries have derailed it a little bit, but I think that this team is starting to get healthy again. And they're going to try and, you know, they're they're going to do everything that they can to make a push to win another one and be in very, very rarefied air there with, uh, you know, very few teams having done that. I think that they've got just as good of a chance as anybody to do it. I think all of our listeners just turned it off. <laughs> they, they, they Just at the thought. We lost Georgia, the audience. Just at the thought of Georgia going back to back. Well, um, we did see, like you mentioned, there's been some hiccups. And we saw Missouri give this team a game. Uh, and I'm sure for a lot of more than a game. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. I'm sure for a lot of uh, staffs around the country, or should I say around the league, the Tigers kind of maybe gave uh, somewhat of a blueprint on how to play um, Georgia. What went wrong in that game? What did Missouri do right? I guess from your standpoint, and, and how much you feel like that could potentially be replicated by Florida in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, it, it all started with that Missouri front seven. Um, really? You know, they were incredibly, um, you know, they, they, they created havoc at the line of scrimmage. You know, they gave Georgia's offensive line trouble there for, you know, You don't hear that much. Yeah, I mean, it, they really gave them trouble there for three quarters. Um, and, and I think that ultimately you saw in the fourth quarter, you know, maybe the the wear down of, of – you know, the 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 Bama Boa Saban uh strangle, whatever you want to call it. Uh Georgia did that. Um that they, they kind of had that effect on Missouri there. Um and and you know, wore the Tigers down um in, into the fourth quarter where they were able to run the ball. They they've really found their run game then and have carried that into uh, you know, Auburn the next week, ran yeah. for a season high. Um, you know, Vanderbilt, they, they had a pretty strong rushing attack as well on, on, really, on top really of tough, really refining the passing <laughs> attack. So, um, you know, to me, I, I think that 
<clears throat> if you can make Stetson Bennett uncomfortable, um, and it's really been a recipe that throughout his career, if you can make him uncomfortable, um, you know, you, you've got a good chance, um, you know, in, and, and that all starts in that front seven starts with creating some havoc on the offensive or the, of, um, on the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, if, if Georgia can't run the ball and they've got to throw it, um, like that they did there against Missouri, um, and, and ultimately they were able to find it in the second half, but first half, uh, like I said, that front seven of Missouri's created, uh, you know, made it a really, really, really long night for Stetson and that Georgia offense, the rushing attack, the offensive line, um, everybody that was involved wearing red and black. Do you think that's the way to scheme for Georgia is if we, if we're going to lose this game, it's going to be because Stetson Bennett threw the ball. We're not going to, we'll sell out to stop the run. I do. I do. And especially if, if you're going up against a Georgia that doesn't have an AD Mitchell, um, you know, at least until he proves that he's healthy enough, um, you know, to be an impact player, even if he is dressed out and playing, um, you know, force, um, you know, force Stetson to throw the ball. Um, now, I, obviously, when he's got two behemoths of tight ends, that gives him an, an out there. Um, and, and it gives him a nice safety valve, um, you know, that, that, you know, maybe probably shouldn't even be a safety valve, probably should just be his number one option there. Uh, that, that's like Kyle Pitts. Pitts. It's not like a safety valve, safety net. It's like, Hey, how do we get him the ball? Yeah. You just, it is, should be it, it really is. Um, you know, and, and, and I, I think Brock Bowers is that kind of a player, Darnell Washington alongside him, um, you know, just absolute freak of of nature at six foot seven 275 um and, and i described it this way you know for y'all this week in in the q a the know your foe um brock is is the kind of guy that, that can beat you by running by you darnell will run over you hmm. and both of those are scary for defenses so you know i i do think that if you can force stetson to throw and throw it away from those tight ends and get it to, you know, an AD Mitchell that's coming back off of injury, Arian Smith that hasn't been able to stay healthy in his career, Dominic Blaylock that maybe struggles with separation and has struggled to stay healthy throughout his career. Uh, you know, a lad McConkey that has had some trouble here. Here is Jackson that that isn't, you know, a, a huge threat. If you can force him to get it to those guys and not to the tight ends. Um, you know, that that is a great way to to put some pressure on Georgia. And that's the, that's the key question for Florida is who the heck are they going to have guarding those tight ends? Well, it's on tape and Kirby has seen that Florida can't cover a tight end. So I, I don't know why you would force it to those other receivers if Florida hasn't covered a tight end, worse tight ends than that. Yeah. I mean, the Utah tight end was pretty good. Um but it hasn't just been that game. Right, but he also he also torched Florida for a hundred and a touchdown. Well, and, and we talked about this on our show last night is is um you know when when it feels like uh, Florida knows that they struggle covering the tight end. Everyone knows that. So when you go up and you play two tight ends like this, they're gonna do something different to 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 do whatever they can to s- slow down to stop those tight ends which to me then opens things up for some of those other guys to yeah. make play. Um, you know, and, and again, like I said, that may not be, uh, you know, the, the worst strategy forcing Stetson a to throw the ball and B to throw the ball away from those tight ends. 
uh, you know, that that may be a strategy that, that makes this comfortable or, or, or competitive. Now, obviously, you know, a lot of eyes will be on that matchup with Florida's defense against uh, Stetson. But same thing for the other side of the ball as you got this Georgia defense going up against Anthony Richardson, uh, which gave him fits last season in his first career start. That was a setup. Um, what's that? That was a setup. Yeah. I mean, that, that was Dan thrown, Mullins. I told thrown, you so. Thrown to, to the Gator wolves. Nation. Thrown to the wolves. Um, what what do you feel like it's going to be like for Anthony coming into this matchup, going against this defense? How, how much different is the personnel? Um, not so much schematically, but in terms of what they can do to challenge him and make things difficult, especially for what he likes to do as a QB. And do they maybe have a player that they could spy? Yeah, because that to me, I feel like Kirby. Uh, you know, we talked that. about Missouri, what they did. I think Kirby last season kind of put out the blueprint for how to defend Anthony. And we saw Kentucky do something very similar this season. Yeah. I mean, you know, how is this defense different? They don't have eight NFL, you know, <laughs> draft picks on, on this defense. They don't that makes, have five a, that makes a rounders. difference. It, it does make a difference. Um, you know, like you said, schematically, they're not all that different. They're trying to do a lot of the same things um, with, with still incredibly talented players, just a lot younger of a group. A um, lot less experienced of a group, um, you know, in terms of who they have that they could spy with, um, you know, I think it's huge that Georgia is getting Smile Munden back this week. Mm. He is an incredibly athletic player. Um, you know, Kirby called him, you know, the most athletic linebacker he's worked with, um, which says a lot considering you you think back to some of those guys that he worked with at Alabama, you know, worked with a Roquan Smith at Georgia, a Butkus Award winner in him. Uh, but gets award winner last year in Nicobe Dean. Um, he's worked with some really good, strong linebackers, and to, yeah. to call Smile the most athletic player that he's uh, the most athletic linebacker that he's worked with. Um, you know, to me, I think that he is the perfect spy guy, um, and and he would be. Uh, you know, hasn't played in the last two games for Georgia. Was banged up against Missouri, um, coming back off of an injury. Kirby has said that he has gotten all of his reps this week, has looked really good. Um, they feel really good about where he's at. I think that as as Georgia's third leading tackler on this defense, um, he is really somebody that, that you're going to rely on um, if, if you're Georgia trying to defend against Anthony Richardson because of the threat that he offers, um, the threat that he gives them uh, to run the ball. Um, you know, it, and it's not just design stuff. It's, it's quarterback scrambled stuff, too. Um, but you know, I think that if, if there's a defense that has, has prepared for that pretty well this year, Georgia has played Bo Nix, Georgia has played, uh, you know, at Robbie Ashford, they've played very mobile quarterbacks. They've played guys. And, and honestly, it's, it's been teams that, um, you know, ha have gotten the ball out quickly too. Um, so Georgia hasn't been able to, you know, maybe take down the quarterback. They've only got seven sacks on the season. Uh, last year, they had seven sacks in the first game. Hmm. Um, you know, so I, I think that this defense is is still very strong, um, very good, very talented, um, one of the best in the country. I think that they've got the personnel that can spy um, on Anthony Richardson. Uh, but, you know, anytime you've got a quarterback like that, he can give defenses trouble. Yeah. And it sounds like Anthony will be shell-shocked in this game like he was last year against uh, that Georgia defense. Like you said, that was generational. Um, 
you know, heading into this matchup, obviously Georgia is huge favorites, you know, 22 point plus, I think at this, at this stage, um, what are the concerns in your mind for Florida or for Georgia, excuse me, in this game? Is it, uh, not only from a, you know, what Florida can do in their strengths, but is there any sense of, uh, looking ahead to Tennessee, um, or, or, or feeling like, um, you know, they're, they're heavy favorites in this game that that might come into play? Yeah, I mean, um, among the fan base, there's certainly been a lot of look ahead to Tennessee. Um, hmm. You know, the 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 win over Alabama, the bye week, it, it just created um, you know a perfect combination of of looking ahead to Tennessee, um, and and you know the expectation that you know right now we've got a one versus three matchup. Hmm. I would not be surprised uh, when the college football playoff poll comes out next week if if both Georgia and Tennessee take yeah. care of business this week. Um, you know, we could be looking at a one-two matchup with maybe Tennessee being the one. Um, would not surprise me one bit considering the wins that they've got. You know, the Alabama win being probably the most impressive if anybody in the country this year. Uh, you know, a, a win over a ranked Kentucky team if they take care of business this week. A win over a LSU team that'll be ranked. Um, maybe yeah. should shouldn't be ranked, but um, you know, going on the road to beat them. I, I would put Tennessee at one in that college football playoff poll if I was predicting it. And and I would probably put Georgia at two, um, assuming that they take care of business this week. So I do think that among the fan base, there has been a lot of look ahead. And even in the media, um, there's been a lot of look ahead to that Georgia-Tennessee game next weekend. Um, but I think that when you when you talk about this coaching staff, this team, um, this is a this is a rivalry that means a lot to them. Um, you know, Kirby having played it, you know, growing up in South Georgia and Bainbridge, uh, you know, having played in it as a player and not had a ton of success in it as a player. Uh, he's certainly enjoying the success that he's having as a coach in the rivalry. Um, you know, it, it's yeah, I mean, listen to his halftime speech last year. Yeah. Um, he does not like Florida. Uh, you know, you, you want to extend it to, to some of these assistants. Well, a lot of them played at Georgia. Um, you know, a lot of them went to Georgia. Um, one of them coached at Florida. Uh, and and yeah, I, I don't know. Will who, there. So, I don't know who enjoys beating Florida more, Kirby or Will. <laughs> I don't know either. Close. I mean, That's you, you can make a case for both, um, certainly. So I think that this coaching staff won't allow this team um, to look ahead to Tennessee. I think that the bye week was a good opportunity to, um, you know, li like they do in every bye week, um, you know, prepare for some of the unique things that some of these opponents down the road do. But then to turn the page to Florida late in that week, um, you know, Thursday, Friday of that week and say, hey, we've got this ahead of us. We talked about that this week, but th that's behind us now. We got to focus on this before we can get to that. Um, so, you know, to me, I think that uh, Georgia is going to be ready to go for this game. Um, I, 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 talking to some of the players this week, it didn't sit well that they let up seven points last season. Um, you know, the defense was disappointed by that. The offense didn't have its best day. Stetson hasn't had his best days against Florida. Um, I, I think that there is a big chip on their shoulder um, coming into this one. They didn't like that touchdown, That's Nick. That's crazy. A chip on the Nine game winning streak, number one defending national champions. Chip on your shoulder because they gave up seven points. Now you you mentioned this, um, and, and we'll kind of wrap up on this. No Palmer, you know, 
there there's there's some history there now with uh you know the new head coach at Florida and uh and, and Kirby and you know this rivalry got a little spicy I think between Dan and and Kirby obviously you know the Gators had the big win in 2020 and you know we're able to go to Atlanta and then you come back that next year and and Kirby gets the win and kind of sends a post game shot at Dan about recruiting um obviously we know the you know what, what George has done on the trail and now Billy's coming in with a staff that's um uh much more invested in recruiting uh took one of Kirby's obviously top staffers and, and Katie Turner and uh putting together a really impressive 2023 class in Billy's first full rec- recruiting cycle what do you think about their history together at Alabama some of the f- familiarity with each other's staff members and just how that's going to contribute to this rivalry on and off the field in the coming years. Yeah. I mean, I certainly think that there's a lot of respect between those two. Um, you, you hear what, what Kirby said about Billy and what Billy said about Kirby this week. Um, you, you get the sense that they are both appreciative um, Billy, especially for Kirby appreciative of, of the opportunity that, that he was given at Alabama, um, you know, and and that that Kirby understands the kind of coach that that Billy is, uh, and certainly where he comes from. So um, I, I do think that there's a lot of respect between these two. Um, but you know, like I said, I don't know that there's a lot of uh, love between for Kirby towards Florida. Um, you know, and and the school, the team, the program. Um, I, I think that some of the some of his, his his hatred towards them uh certainly comes from his his non not so successful playing career blame it on steve spurrier <laughs> yep yep so um you know I, I i do think that as as with as much respect as these coaches have for each other um they're they're going to keep it civil you know outside the lines but um you know when 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 their teams get between the lines there, there's nothing more that Kirby wants than than an absolute beatdown cuz i th- i think for Dan it it got to the point especially because of his recruiting rhetoric that Kirby just wanted to beat him i think just to send a message um and there was you know there was just i think some probably just some disgust from his point i think with with Billy, it's going to be more of this like friendly competition. These two guys were on the same staff together. They know each other's tendencies. Um, respect. Is yeah. Respect. The, the respect will be there, the but it's almost like I, I want to beat this guy that I was in the trenches with. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely there. Um, you know, like you said, I, I think that Kirby wanted to, you know, send a message to not only, you know, Florida, but also the country of, you know, hey, we are going to play this way. We're going to, you know, build our program this way. And a big emphasis is going to be on recruiting. And if you're not going to do that, then here's what's going to happen. Um, (laughs) I I, I absolutely think that that was uh, some of of the way that – and, and again, I don't think that – And I I think Billy gets that message, obviously, because he's cut from the same cloth in terms of the saving coaching tree. Right, right. And, and I, I also don't think that 2020 loss sat well with Kirby. Um, you know, just the those guys that season, um, you know, a lot of the, the you know, buildup of, of Florida 
and Dan Mullen after that season. Um, I, I definitely think that there was, um, you know, coming into that game, there was a lot of, uh, you know, not necessarily bad blood, but those two guys also knew each other and had competed against each other in the SEC West when, sure. when Mullen was a, uh, and, and even, um, you know, when Mullen was the head coach at, at Mississippi State, and uh, Kirby was the defensive coordinator at at uh, Alabama. Alabama, yeah. Um, the, those two certainly crossed paths a lot, and I think that there were a lot of um, meetings between the two of them, where maybe Kirby, you know, and his defense uh, put it on put it on Dan, and you know, it didn't sit well to have that 2020 game go the way that it did. So. Um, yeah. Like you said, I, I think that there's a lot of respect between these two um, current coaches. Um, maybe that there wasn't between uh, Kirby and Dan. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, definitely looking forward to uh, this matchup. I think it, you know, it's an interesting dynamic. These two guys being in the foxhole together. Um, obviously, the Gators are looking to play spoiler on Saturday. We'll see what these teams have coming out of the bye week. Look forward to seeing you in Jacksonville, my friend, and uh, enjoying the world's largest outdoor cocktail party for as much longer as we can. It's always going to be the world's <laughs> hey, largest. Hey, I, I told Nick, we, you know, we could these two schools can't agree on it much. You know, whether it's the name, the, uh, the how many times they've played, but one thing I think everybody involved can agree with is that should be the name. Absolutely. Yes, it's it, it's. It, to the people, it will always be referred to as that. So um, we're glad that we got to bring you to the people. We appreciate it, Palmer, uh, all the perspective on UGA. Uh, safe travels, and we'll see you on Saturday, bud. Sounds good, guys. Look forward to seeing you all down there. Absolutely. We're going to jump to this final break. We'll come back on the other side, give you our predictions for Saturday as we wrap up the Gators Online podcast. Football is back. There isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite team than by playing daily fantasy sports with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual fan looking to add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. It's the best way to have action on the game in states like Alabama, Florida, Texas, Georgia. Kentucky and over 70% of the United States. Prize Picks is currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. Download the Prize Picks app or visit prizepicks.com and sign in using the code GATERS to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. So if you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100 back. If you deposit 50, Prize Picks will give you 50. That's free money. Don't forget that Prize Picks app or prizepicks.com and the code GATERS to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your team to the next level this season. Welcome back into the Gators Online Podcast. Appreciate Palmer for joining us in the last segment. Now, heading into this rivalry game, if you uh, follow the Vegas odds, like you said, Nick, they, they they don't build those palaces. The men and women who make lines don't build palaces in the desert for being wrong. They know what they're doing. And they put a very, very uh, steep uh, line on this game as the Gators come in as 22-point uh, underdogs. And, you know, 
obviously coming off of last year's 34-7 loss. You're facing the defending national champions. You're coming off uh, your latest loss in the SEC. This team's got it rolling. You know, not a, light, not a lot to like about the Gators in this game, but it's still a rivalry. You still show up because you never know what's going to happen. I don't think anybody had uh, Kelvin Taylor and Matt Jones going for 200-plus and the bingo card. How many times on did that they night. actually throw the ball that game? Like six? It was not a lot. It was not that, that was the that was a wild game. Muschamp walks into the presser, takes the monkey off his back. <laughs> yes. Um, there's been some wild moments. And look, uh, could Georgia come in and um and 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 get control of this thing early and win comfortably? Absolutely. Um I think that Florida has the capability. Um, if they shore things up defensively, which is certainly up in the air, but if they do and they get a Knoxville type of performance from Anthony Richardson, um, I think they can be competitive at least. And that's, that's obviously what you you're have, looking for. You're going to have to get Utah, Tennessee, AR. Yep. You're going to have to not turn the ball over. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to, for the third first down, time, first down. time this season, get off the field on third down. And I, I have no confidence in the defense on third down currently nothing yeah. nothing i've seen would make me feel like oh yeah they figured it out in the bye week and on that note i saw a tweet this week from max olson of the athletic who pointed out uh that there's 11 offenses in college football that are scoring on 50 percent or more of their drives versus uh fbs teams this season number one on that list the Georgia Bulldogs scoring at, uh, at a score rate of 64.2%. So uh, you're trying to get off the field on third down. That's going to be very, very key against this team. They're also the number one third down offense in the SEC. Mm. So if, if you're not catching our drift, it's not a good matchup for Florida. Um, I think Georgia's weakness, which isn't a weakness, would be their secondary, but not. it's not like Tennessee bad. So I don't think Florida's going to go out and try to throw like they did against Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a recipe for success. The recipe for success might be the offensive line not playing well because of Georgia's defense, and then Anthony scrambling, freestyling, playing backyard football. Because that's – Kirby Kirby Smart said it. And I yeah. think Anthony is, has been better when plays break down and he makes something happen more so than on designed runs. And he also said, too, that, you know, th exactly that, that that last year there was so much design runs from him. Yeah. It was so quarterback run driven with what the previous staff was trying to do for uh, do with him that now obviously he's added, you know, the full range to his game as the as the starter. And as Nick said, you know, maybe do do we see the Gators try to challenge them some um, through the air? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll find find out. I think defensively, though, you know, I, I, we led with my conspiracy theories to start this show, but there's a problem this week. To me, regard, regardless of the result, right? Regardless of the result, I think they need to, from this point on, for the rest of the season, starting Saturday, figure out what do we got? Not only do what do we got with our starters and not even with the second teamers, 
full rotation, full youth movement. I don't think they'll go full youth movement in this game, but I do think that that rotation is going to switch up. I think you're going to see some more young guys get opportunities defensively. Um, I think they're going to Kamari, Miguel Mitchell, Devin Moore's still on the uh, injury report. Devin Moore's not going to play. I, I think up front, you could see them go with some, some different things on the, on the defensive line. But to me, you need to figure out what your future holds with some of these pieces that they've brought in. Um, and look, I, I think I think potentially you could upgrade some spots with these personnel changes and maybe um, give yourself a better chance in this game as opposed to having more busted coverages or missed assignments. But that's also going to be difficult because they only have one more home game. So you're going to be limited with your travel roster of who you can take. Yeah. Crazy. One more home game this year. I know, man. This the, the season's uh the season's flown by. And um obviously going into this game, I I think that for Florida, all the cards are on the table. You leave it all out, um, and you try to go win a rivalry game. You try to play spoiler. And uh, I think, you know, more than anything, if Florida can come out and show some changes from the bye week, show some defensive things that they didn't reveal on the depth chart but might you know show up on saturday um i think that's the biggest thing right is is that you know you don't get beat 34 to 7 and you show that you know well the uh, biggest thing is score yeah a single point well and like you said the with the the way that the vegas line is they're only thinking that florida's gonna get a couple touchdowns in this yeah, game i think i think the over under is 55 and a half and they're a 22 and a half point dog so vegas thinks they're gonna score 14 17 what do you think it's so hard because Anthony has the potential. I watched him stiff arm a guy that was behind him on an 80 yard run. <laughs> so like he has the potential to keep them in any game Spidey sense on, on Saturday. But this, this is a different, a different beast. This George is not the beast that he saw last season, but also they might have to keep up with Georgia scoring. The only person that is going to stop Brock Bowers on Saturday is Georgia's offensive coordinator not throwing in the ball. And as we heard Palmer say, if Florida's front seven can be disruptive enough that you don't give Stetson time. But he also is shifty, sneaky fast. Yeah, they're, you know, I'm interested to, I'm so interested to see what they do, Patrick Tony with the front seven and, and Sean Spencer. And if there's some different packages that they roll out, some things that they've worked on during the bye week. Heard some stuff, Nick. So you're all in on this conspiracy theory. I want to see. I, 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 I'm very, for a staff that's been so willing to play freshman, that's been so willing to shake up the depth chart, especially on the offensive side, I, 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 I can only expect that that is eventually going to play out defensively. And I think that the bye week in this game is the time to do it. We'll see how much, we'll see how effective it is. Um, Georgia wins. Georgia, Florida covers, and I'll take the under. Okay. Give you three. I'm going to take the over. Okay. But I also think that Florida covers. I think that they're more competitive. Um, I think I think I have a feeling that Anthony is going to have one of those games. Yeah, and, and I mean, and I mean, that, though, I, I mean, I, good game. As soon as you said that, then I, then I had like the picture of LSU where he's like falling back uh, last year. Falling back, throws the ball up, intercepted, game's over. Like, 
has a potential tying drive or game winning drive. And then, well, and look, the LSU game was his first game since the season opener where he went without a turnover. And the LSU game was the first time the offense didn't turn the ball over at all uh, in a game. So um, they're going to have to do that again against uh, Georgia, not, you know, have a yeah. pick six and a fumble uh, facing your own goal line right before half. No, if you do that, this game could get ugly. And uh, that front seven is going to have to do its best Missouri impression and, and try to frustrate Stetson Bennett. We'll see if uh, any changes happen in the Gators' secondary and if they just get better play overall from that entire group. Because Tackle. 21 missed tackles against LSU. You should have been tackling all all week last week. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and from what we heard, you know, they got after it during the bye week. They, they didn't take it easy. So we'll see um, how much of a difference – it makes on Saturday in Jacksonville. Nick and I will be there. Looking forward to this matchup. Appreciate Palmer once again for joining us this week. And uh, Nick and I will rejoin you guys next Thursday uh, to recap this game and to get ready for College Station. You ready? Your first time? First time, baby. My second time. But 2020 doesn't count. There were actually Dan... Dan said there were 8 million people in the stands that day. So it's technically your third time. No, my second time. I went in 2020. Was my oh, first. so you didn't even – yeah. You don't know what it's like there. No. No, no, They They have um, – It's it, like when you went to Ole Miss and didn't experience the Grove. That, I don't know why you have to bring that up. <laughs> Sorry. Um, at, in the press box at A&M, they have, hey, don't worry. The press box is going to shake. It's not going to fall. I'm like, what? I guess I'll be glad that I'm on the field for that game. Yeah. That um, stadium is massive. Mm. Might well, not be full. Yeah, well, I know it's going to be full on Saturday, split in half, uh, orange and blue, red and black. I love it. Um, I hope that even if they add the home and home to this personally, that they keep Jacksonville in the rotation. Uh, but that's another time for another discussion. Uh, we'll see you guys next week for Nick Del Torre. I'm Zach Albaverde. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.